0: Join the guild and secure your ticket to Scott's sale at the best possible price by visiting MaxLawEvents.com.
1: When you ring your bell or you blow your dog whistle, not everyone's gonna get that message, but some people are and the ones who get it, the ones who are your avatar, they're gonna love it and they're gonna love you for it. And that's why it's so important to take a stand because you can't make everybody happy. Run your law firm. The right way. way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking.
2: I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's going on, Jimmy?
1: Tyson, I'm excited. We have a good topic picked for today.
2: Yes, we do. I actually come from an experience you had out in Washington, D.C., which is we're going to let you talk about in a little bit, but how you been?
1: I've been good. It feels like we haven't recorded just you and me for a while.
2: You know, it may have been a two or three weeks. We've had some really good guests, Lee Rosen, John Fisher. And yeah, it's good, good to be back on with you.
1: All right, so this week I went to Washington, D.C. I took my son Ismail up for the weekend, and then on Monday morning I got sworn in to the D.C. federal district court. The reason I did this is because in my immigration practice, I sue the immigration service a lot. And I kept filing suits all over the country. And every time I did, I had to file a pro hoc Vici motion and I got sick of it. So I said, you know, I can sue them in D.C. So I'm just going to go up there and get admitted and streamline that whole process because it was really slowing down my cases. So anyway, on Monday, we had to be at the district court at nine o'clock and man, security at this place was really tight. You think St. Louis County is tight. This place was really tight anyway. All the attorneys were waiting in a long line. It took us about a half hour to get through security, and the whole line was attorneys. so it was sort of strange. But anyway, during the waiting, I was between two young lawyers, and they had obviously either gone to law school together or had mutual law school friends. I would say they were probably about two years out of law school, and they went back and forth talking about big firm life, and I have to tell you, Tyson, it really— made my skin crawl like I was having a physical reaction to listening to them. And I probably shouldn't say any of this stuff. And I certainly don't want to antagonize anybody who works at big law, but it's just so not what I'm about and why I practice law. And, and they were just talking about all these. One of the attorneys worked at a firm called Skadden Arps, which is a big, big firm and they were talking about how they have scappy hours at their firm and everything was related to the name of the firm and it just sounded all so cheesy and so, like they were just all braggy about, you know, and then I have a brief due and then, I mean, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was just so cheesy. And I'm sure that their work is meaningful, but just being around all these government lawyers and big firm lawyers, it reminded me, again, why I do what I do and why I like solo and small firm practice so much more. And I wondered whether or not you and I should talk about this on the podcast. And I thought, well, if we do, we're going to be pushing away people or we're going to make people feel like this isn't for them. And and then it dawned on me that with everything that we do with our marketing, you and I both, that we really have to, you know, take a position. We have to take a stand. And so I think it's okay for us to talk about things that require us to take a position and that this podcast is for people that want to open their own law firm or run their own law firm or get management tips and things like that. Those are the kind of guests that we get. And that's sort of what our message is about. So I think that it's perfectly acceptable for us to have that kind of a conversation on our show.
2: Well, yeah, I think, I think it goes back, back to, you know, narrowing, narrowing your focus, focus doesn't, doesn't it? It goes back to kind of practicing, practicing what we've created. you're right... This podcast probably isn't for the big firm people, and that's fine. I think that they could probably take away, from what we're saying, a lot of good things to apply to their practice that work. Lee Rosen, he talks about a lot of principles that would apply to a lot of big firms, but some of the big firms are just they're the, the too-big-to-fail mentality. But I think you're right, though. I think that there, there are some people that may not want to listen to this. That's fine. That's great. Whatever. Our focus is on these smaller firms, the smaller firms, the solo firms, the small firms, small helping those people survive and thrive, thrive and do really well, and, and that's, that's fine. fine. And that's, that's what our niche, niche is—that we're going with it. And, and that, that what, what we're, we're talking about today can apply today to our practices as well, where you know the, you the things, things we're, we're saying don't apply, don't apply to everyone, and, and that that means that your marketing message is focused, and that's good. I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about your Trump, Trump email, email yeah, but so I think they, yeah, that your
1: email is a good example. example. Yeah, so I want to segue right into that. So later on that same day, after I'm sworn in and after we went to the museum, and after Ismail twisted my arm into going to a place called the Shake Shack, which is a hamburger place started by a guy from St. Louis on the East Coast that's actually coming to St. Louis. We went there for lunch Then we went and saw our buddy Seth Price. He'd been so gracious to take us out to lunch on Sunday and to hold our luggage while we were touring downtown DC. Anyway, I get to the airport and I have to send out my weekly Monday email and, you know, as an immigration attorney, I have a very defined message and I want my clients to know that we are advocates for them and that if if you're ever going to come up with a position of the government or an immigrant that we're almost always going to side with the immigrant. And so with the Obama administration, we have a long history in our email, our weekly emails, of being critical of the president and his policies. You know, we we frequently refer to him as the deporter-in-chief. This is President Obama, and the fact that he's deported more people than anyone, and that he has some really harsh detention policies for women and children who came across the border from Central America. And so we really feel that we've been an equal opportunity basher of politicians that take hard lines on immigration. And so Obviously, with that message, that's always going to push some people away. And once a week or once a month, we get some kind of email from people sort of critical of our position, and I I sent one out right after the election about Donald Trump and sort of his anti-immigrant rhetoric, and I got one email back from someone who said that he was glad Trump got elected and, and he has to be removed from my email list, and that's just fine. And to me, that lets me know that I'm sending out the right message, that when people are responding, even with anger, or with dissatisfaction with what I'm saying, then I know that I'm toning it right, that I've got the right message. And so on Monday, I sent out an email with my um, post-election analysis of President Trump and and his immigration policies, and sort of what where I felt emotionally how that landed. With you know the messages that he has with the the people that I care about and the and the constituents that I serve. That I I felt comfortable sending out that message. But quickly I got some rapid responses from people who obviously voted for Donald Trump and they were really angry with the message that I got. And I I, you know, I thanked them for reading. One of the people is a longtime client, and I've helped her and her husband through two or three different matters. And so I took what she said to heart, but at the same time, you know, I knew sending it out that it would cause controversy. It got a very high click-through rate to read, and it got a lot of responses. And so then I know. That I'm saying something of substance because if I'm just being mealy mouth, wishy washy saying, oh, sometimes the government's good and sometimes the immigrants are good. And if I refuse to take a position, then no one's ever going to listen to me because it's boring and it's milk toast and nobody cares.
2: Yeah, and what, what you're, you're saying really follows with what, what Dan Kennedy, Kennedy says, what with what, what, what John Fisher say, with both what, 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 what they, they say is you that you know you've, you've got, got to stimulate, stimulate this reaction from people. people. Don't, don't just go, go on, on Facebook, Facebook or don't, don't just put, put out commercials and hey, just, just say, hey, we do this, 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 and this. this, and this. this. You, you are creating a message that evokes a reaction from these people, which is good. You want to have this community of people that are communicating constantly with you, and I think that that's great. It's kind of like, like what, what Dan, Dan Kennedy, Kennedy talks about with with Disney, right? At any, any given point, people should be laughing. laughing they, should crying, they, should they should be crying. They should be emitting some, some sort of emotion. emotion. And, and I'm, I'm not saying you have to do that with every one of your messages, messages but think about, about that whenever you, when you put out your messages because I think that that Trump email is a great example of how that works. How that works. And, and all that comes down to, at least in my opinion, it sounds like – I've never, I've never asked you this, Jimmy, Jimmy but my, my guess is you probably have a well-defined avatar of who your client, client. is, and, and I think, think that people, that they if they don't, maybe think about creating an avatar, and, and have, have you come, come up with an avatar? avatar? And I mean, I mean, it, it, I'll, I'll kind of kind go through the things, things that people should consider, but you do you have an avatar? avatar? I absolutely
1: do have an avatar, and it's funny that you mention that, because not only did I get some angry emails, I got a ton of love emails. I got a ton of emails from what I would call my avatar, which are you know people who are immigrants themselves or immigrant sympathizers people who support immigrant rights and and who the message was i mean i got one message from someone a client of mine who said jim it's almost as if you're in my head the thoughts that you put in your email were exactly what i think so and i should say i did get more positive emails than i did negative which doesn't always happen but you know there's people when you ring your bell or you blow your dog whistle Not everyone's going to get that message, but some people are. And the ones who get it, the ones who are your avatar, they're going to love it. And they're going to love you for it. And that's why it's so important to take a stand because you can't make everybody happy. And it's so funny that you brought up Dan Kennedy. And I think the Disney point is well taken, but in and of itself, just Dan Kennedy. I mean, he always says all these crazy things that are are offensive and rude and I would say chauvinistic, but you know, you remember him and you know where he stands and you can choose to do business with him or not. You know, I'm not going to get a business from people who hate immigrants. I'm not going to convince anybody that my position is right if they've drank all the hardline Kool-Aid. So wasting my time trying to make those people happy is pointless. I don't want to antagonize people, but there's no reason for me to try to market to them.
2: Yeah. And with what you're saying about Dan Kennedy, all you have to do to know exactly how he feels is pick up his book about i think think it's no bs ruthless ruthless management of people people. (laughs) that That book alone will tell you exactly how he feels he's very abrasive which is exactly what he wants he knows his avatar and and it's very well defined just Just, whenever whenever you you define define your avatar i do want to just say a couple things about this i think think people what they do is they create these demographics of what their avatar looks like and i think that they stop there i think that's a mistake they come up with you know age sex race they, they come up, up with you know male female, male, female whatever race. it is they they, they stop, stop there maybe income level and dan, dan kennedy would tell you to ask the questions like what, what keeps that person up at night you, you know, know what are they afraid of are what are they angry about, they angry about? you know who are they angry, know, are they are angry at what are their frustrations, frustrations? and i, I think if you come up with you start asking those types of questions you go from the demographics and you really really chisel it down to exactly who your avatar is and your avatar, I'm assuming what keeps them up at night is – one of them could be, am I going to get deported because I've done the X, Y, or Z? Or am I going to actually get into the United States because I'm trying to get out of this country that is torn apart by war? You have all these – you probably have multiple avatars, but those are the things that keep them up at night. You know? So I think that if you start there – and actually I think you need to absolutely start there – coming up with your avatar, which is going to help you direct your message because that message to to bring this full circle is not for everybody. That message needs to be for those people people, and who cares about the rest of the people. It's not about getting your name out there and pounding your chest just so people people know who you are. It's about getting clients into the firm so you can can make some money and run a business.
1: Yeah, and it can't be exploitative and it can't be done just for commercial purposes. You have to actually believe what you say. You don't want to just I mean, I think part of Dan Kennedy, a little bit of him is a persona, but I also think he's pretty curmudgeonly and he believes a lot of the stuff that he says. So just with us, I mean, if I, you know, don't really love immigrants, if I don't really want to fight for them, but I just want to say this stuff to try to make a buck, that sucks. And that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is being true to yourself and being true to, you know, who you want to market to and and the message you want to bring, but also in a way that is willing to piss people off and to push people away who aren't, who aren't going to hire you.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think think that you're you're right right about pissing pissing people off. It's okay. If if, if you make make people mad, mad, it is is absolutely absolutely okay. Right? right? Even if it it is someone someone in your avatar, you are then stimulating a conversation with that person. person. You got got all these emails from from people. Those, Those are, are people, people that are actually reading and consuming, consuming your stuff, your and you're not ha- able, able to have a dialogue with them. With them. You're, you're able, able to build, build that trust with them, and they've, they've got, got enough trust with you that they can communicate with you. With you. That's, that's a great thing. You're building a community. I mean, that's, that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, and I went to check the last couple of weeks because I've talked about the Trump administration in the last couple of emails, and I would say I've had an uptick in – um opt outs but I haven't had any complaints on her emails and and including everybody who's written back to me to say that they didn't necessarily like my stuff except for that one guy, no one has unsubscribed yet, so that's been interesting too. Hey, let me ask you this so how about in a practice like yours so like in the personal injury world or in the criminal world, how do you do these things? I mean I think like one interesting thing in our town is and there are other family law attorneys in the country that do this where they sort of take a side and we only represent moms or we only represent dads. And so I think that's sort of a way to build a tribe, but I think it's a little bit harder when you don't necessarily have a boogeyman or an enemy or a straw man to knock down in your marketing. I mean, I guess for for you, it'd be insurance
2: companies. Well, you absolutely have a boogeyman and it, it would be insurance companies and it's large companies and it's primarily the insurance company. That's who we beat up on. That is by far the biggest boogeyman. I think the big difference between what I do and what you do, mine is, it's hard for me to drive demand because it's per occurrence. As, a, as something happens, then we have to get the client. With yours, you can you can stimulate demand, right, because there are some people out there that are not citizens that just are kind of going through the motions every day and they're they're here. They don't have to become a citizen. They could become a citizen, but you can drive that demand and I'm assuming over the last couple months or last month you've been, you've been able to drive some demand because of the election, but um, that's the big difference. But you're exactly right though. So with, with personal injury cases, the boogeyman is the insurance company, but it's also the bill collectors because a big part of what, we, what I talk about in the videos is people are afraid that they're gonna go into debt, they're gonna go bankrupt because of these outstanding medical bills. Or the other thing is, is that they're not getting the treatment that they need. And so we focus on things like that, yeah. where we, and that, those are the messages that we focus on, really what that client's looking for, because we also try to debunk that, in, in general, the idea that people are just out there, and this is if we were to file have a trial, you know, where we debunk the idea early on that people are just out there to get money. That's not the number one people, thing people look for. All the market data shows that the number one thing that they're looking for is that they're getting the treatment that they need. Right. The next thing is to make sure that their medical bills paid for. The third thing is actually getting a lump sum. That's third on the list, and that's a distant third. So we want to focus on the top two things in our messages, and that's how we that's how we target our marketing. And as a part of that, we we use the insurance companies as the boogeyman to say, "Listen." They're, they're not trying to get you at, uh, a, one and two. Maybe they'll give you one, not two, but definitely not three. And that's how we do that.
1: So I think that's really important. And I think that all of our listeners should think about, you know, what do you stand for? You know, who is your avatar? What, what's your message? Why are you here? Why are you different? What makes you stand out? You know, and for me, I want to be perceived as a fierce advocate. And I think that most people want their lawyers to be good advocates. And so I think that's really important. So, Jimmy,
2: I don't normally do this. We normally do this at the end, but what's something I want to do is our numbers have been increasing quite a bit for Maximum Lawyer. I want to remind people to go to Maximum Lawyer, comment on us, make sure you subscribe. Um, Our numbers are up. It's doing really well, but I do want to remind people to do that. Um, Go to the Facebook page because we just started the Facebook page. Like us there. Request to be part of the group. It's a private group. We're trying to create a community there uh, create people talking, asking questions, things like that. Um, so in the middle of the podcast, what I want to do at the end, Now, I want to do it right now just to remind people, make sure you do subscribe, make sure you give us a comment because when you give us a comment it makes sure people can find us on iTunes, that's a big part of what we do. So I'm going to remind people to do that. So, uh, what else do you have to add?
1: Well, I just think the message is clear. I think that, you know, you've got to be able to drive your flag, stake your claim, You know, make sure that people know what you stand for. If you don't stand for something, you don't stand for anything. And so I think that a lot of people make the mistake of trying to go along, get along, and get everybody that they can possibly in the door and that they come up with a marketing message that is bland and milquetoast and, and very uninspiring.
2: Absolutely. Well, do you want to give your tip of the week or your hack of the week?
1: Okay. Now... I've been looking forward to this. So I have a book for you to read. And the name of the book is Shoe Dog. And it's written by Phil Knight, who, as you know, is the founder of Nike. And Tyson, I have to tell you that he is one of us. Believe it or not, Phil Knight is one of us. He started Nike by selling shoes out of the back of a truck at race meets in in Oregon and California after he was done with college and grad school. He became a distributor for a Japanese shoe company called Tiger and he built he completely bootstrapped Nike and he must have done an amazing job of keeping notes in a diary. It is such a roller coaster and it's it's the first half of the book is a small business gone well and it is such an emotional roller coaster. He's up, he's down. He's on the verge of success. He has a crashing defeat. The story is very well told. He must have had help with it because it reads like a novel and it's so detailed and there's real like the real characters in it. So the book starts back in the early 60s and right now I'm I'm almost done. I'm at 1979. So it's before Air Jordans, before they're huge. I mean, they they had exponential growth every year, but they still, as of 1979, they haven't had a, a public offering. They're still privately held. They're still bootstrapping. They're still worried about money coming in the door and money going out. I think you'll find it so inspiring. And I'm listening to it on Audible. So, you know, Audible is, is a, a tool we've talked about on here before, but it's read by an actor named Norbert Leo Butz, who's actually from St. Louis. And it, it's like a novel, and it's so exciting, and I've learned so many lessons from it. That I think that it it would actually be a book worth studying, like to get
2: to get um, insights out of to use in our
1: practice. It's really interesting
2: to think about just shoes in general. Back nineteen seventy nine, that Nike wasn't a real force. Like ever since I've been alive, Nike has been. I mean, Nike's all I buy, really. I mean, I, I you know, there's Asics, there's. A New Balance. There's Adidas. There's Reebok. I guess um, maybe a couple others out there, but really, I mean, Nike has been top of the mountain ever since I've been alive, and so it's just hard for me to believe. You know, thinking back to 1979, whenever it wasn't. So that's it's really interesting. So I have to check that out. So you you said you're how far into the book? I'm just about done. I got about okay. two hours left, and you're still in 1979.
1: Yeah. So th- that's the great part. Is it's not. It's not. I thought it was going to be all about Air Jordans and and accounting stuff. And and he was an accountant. And the reason the book is called shoe dog is shoe dog are people who like, we would call it a lawyer's lawyer. Like a shoe dog is someone who loves shoes, who thinks about shoes, who thinks about feet and thinks about improving their product all the time. I mean, the messages are amazing. I think, I really think you're going to like it.
2: Okay. I'm going to check it out. Another, yet yeah. another book I need to read. Right. So um, I'll add, I'll add it to the list. Well, mine is something that you and I – I don't know if you've started it yet, but I've, I'm in the middle of it, and I think it's fantastic. It's the Chet Holmes International, the mastery course. I think it's 300 bucks. I think it's fantastic. Have you started it yet? I have not. I'm going to. Um, I know. I've, I've started. I've, I'm halfway through it. Jim Manning is happy through it. Just to give people advice, when you pay for the course, it's a lot of videos. You've got to sit down and block your time to do it. But print out all the manuals. I print them out and and I bound all of them. So I have all the manuals. There's 12 of them, printed out and I bound them. I bound one of those, bought one of those binding machines. They're all bound, and so you go through it and you really dig deep into your business. And now, so that's why I've got some ideas that I'm gonna run by you later about in the firm, shifting the d- dynamic in the firm. And this is all coming from a deep dive into you know, into this course, and it's really great. So it's Channel international. I think it's called The Mastery Course or something like that. Just go to the website. You'll find it. It's it's easy to find. It's $300. But I'll tell you this. It's worth $2,000. So do it. I, I highly recommend it. So that is my tip of the week.
1: probably need to read the book first. And, in fact, it's so interesting that you brought that up because – you know, my wife Imani joined the firm last summer and she just got finished reading her first business book since she came over and it was The Ultimate Sales Machine
2: and she loved it. Perfect book. That's a perfect book to start with. And you're right. You should read the book first, uh, Ultimate Sales Machine, because it's the same principles. But what it does is it magnifies those and it goes through exercises of forcing you to really think think about your avatar, Right things like that, um, not, he doesn't call it an avatar, but it's the same thing we're talking about, same principles, um, and it really, you define your business. You may think that you run an immigration firm, but that's not what you run. You, know, you don't run an immigration firm. You provide opportunities for families to come and live the American dream, right? That is what you provide. You don't, you're not an immigration attorney, so you, you expand really the definition of what you do for people, and it really broadens your approach it's really good and i'm not talking about you're not you're still narrowing your focus to a certain niche so i want to make sure people don't confuse what i'm saying here but you really expand just really what you do for people it's really great it's a great great course so i recommend it awesome all right well i think we have some really great guests coming up i'm really excited about it and uh, i'll see you next week thanks bud thanks